new and improved thing that kind of bugs me, but uh, we'll be okay. <laughs> hey, lots has happened in the last two months. I'm a year older, and I've been married a year longer. Do I look any different? Isn't that incredible? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting up there. Thank you for uh, giving us the chance to be on sabbatical. I will tell you right off the bat, I went to other churches. I thoroughly enjoy worshiping with my family. I've missed you. Just something about it. There's, my friends are here. My family's here. I can't wait to hear from you. I can't wait to see how the Lord's working in your hearts. And here I am crying on my first Sunday back. Okay, here we go. Tell you a quick story. I'm not a tech guy, but one of the things people told me to do on sabbatical was to get a different phone number. So I did. And I did not really look at this phone. My wife was proud of me. By the way, I had a great time with my wife. That, that's two months I will never regret. We had so much fun. Uh, it was a blessing. So I, I want you to know that that was my first and foremost goal was just to, just to give some time to Cheryl, and we really had fun. This morning as I was walking into church, so this one I carried around. This is my normal phone. This phone starts ringing, and I don't recognize the number. So I'm looking at it, and I go, well, I'll just let it go to voicemail. So when it goes to voicemail, I hit it, and it's just as I hit it, I realized it was this phone. It was pocket dialing my phone. So... <laughs> For all your technological needs, don't come to me. I I can't even tell when I'm pocket dialing my own phone. So that's good. So uh, let me just share a couple things. I I won't tell lots of stories about the sabbatical yet, but I will uh, will catch up with you. uh, um, I got excited during sabbatical to to begin our study through the summer of, we call it the, the summer of power, the study in the book of Acts. Acts is one of my favorite books. If you want to study the Bible... Great to study the Gospels, because that's going to give you the life and ministry of Jesus. Got to have it. So anytime somebody comes to know the Lord, the first time, we always send them to the book of John, because there's great, great concepts of Jesus' ministry, and and I tell you that. But once you've gotten through the Gospels, you realize that as you start the book of Acts, the fearless leader, Jesus, is swept into heaven, and he leaves these people going, "Uh uh-oh we got to tell the world what it means to follow Jesus. we got to tell, tell them or, or live for them or share with them all the things that he showed us and taught us and, and did while we were in his presence. He's gone. And so it challenges me because I like the book of Acts. To, to begin, it shows, well, it's the Acts of the Apostles, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, and it begins to form for us a foundation. Let, let me tell you a couple of things of how you can, uh, you can utilize the summer of nineteen. Here's how we view life. Some of you don't view it quite this way yet because you're going to fall in a category I'm going to describe in a minute. You're, you're a lot younger. But we can determine if our lives are going to matter an amount to anything. I could give you, I was telling somebody we were talking this morning before services we were setting up about the number of graduations that we've gone to. I can give you the best graduation speeches. I, I've heard them all. I was a youth pastor forever, as you heard, with my mustache that I've sported since I was 19. I, that was an interesting statistic. But it's true. Um, so uh, there's always these great phrases. There's always these moments you look at this group of graduating seniors and you think, I'm going to impart on them this wisdom that's going to change their life. And, and sadly, if you were one of the speakers, if you just kind of stepped back and look at, looked at it rea- realistically, you'd go, these guys and girls can't wait to get out of here. They want to toss their hats and go to the graduation party and leave. They're not going to listen to a word you say. But once in a while, you think that they'll catch a little nugget of truth. That's how I look at the summer of 19. I think we can can look at this study of Acts. You've got great trips planned. I'm going to pray for you on those trips. I'm excited for you. But if you can say to yourself, I'm going to commit myself 
to, to really doing as much through the book of Acts as I can. So when I'm done with the summer of 19, I'll have the power of the Holy Spirit more in my life. I'll understand what it means. But what'll really be cool is I'll, I'll be a person that's realizing that it's a gift that God's given me that's for me. And I don't think we always realize that. I think we struggle in our lives with, with what to do and, and uh, kind of where we go. Luke, doctor, wrote the book of Acts. And uh, what's interesting to me is I like doctors because they're pretty specific. Are you loving this one commercial where they, it's a phone service where they, they talk to the people and go, well, we're, we're pretty good. And, th- and they say, you know, okay isn't good enough. I love that because there's some funny ones on there. I mean, I'm not a tattoo guy, but the guy doing the tattoo, well, they say he's one of the greatest tattoo artists. He goes, well, I'm, I'm one of them. You know, and this guy's going, wait a minute. The Bible is the best possible book we can read out of and grow closer to God if we choose to, to take that on. And again, I started by telling you, you and I can make decisions every day of our lives whether or not we want to apply what we hear, whether we want to live through what we hear, whether we want to make a difference in our families, or we can just go, ah, another day. If I get by, I'll be happy. And you, can, you and I can just kind of move through life. The book of Acts took a, a, a group of people and, and they began to share through Luke's notes and Luke's inspiration of the Holy Spirit that here's what it means to follow Christ. Now, get this, they were dealing with an audience who could care less. They were ignorant. They were stuck in their ways. They were set in all the, and I say this carefully, creature comforts, because I imagine the creature comforts in Jesus' day were a ton different than they were today. But they still did the same thing. They still made us feel good, and kind of, we could be lazy, and we could experience it all. I mean, you look back at it now, I I think of, you know, just some of the things that, that I've experienced even growing up. I'm so old now. I saw my first color television when I was in grade school in a little town called Columbus, Montana. I thought it was fascinating. Now, hang on, young millennials. It was this big, and we could not get enough of it. We sat around. These people let us stay in their house, and we saw one of the shows that was in color, and seriously, my, brother, my sister was here first service. It's the first time she's been in, my church, in our church since I've been a minister, but we were loving it. Oh, this is great. This big. That's how big it was. It had a big, long, remember the TVs with the big, long stuff behind them? And yet I look at it, and I go, I thought that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Think of Jesus' day, all the, the stuff they had and all the things that they, you know, and it still caused them to listen to this group of people telling them about a way to live, and they'd go, eh, you know, whatever. I got my stuff. Today, we got way more things to, to entertain us, to fulfill, fill our minds, to, to take our time, and, and we begin to realize that we're missing something that God has provided for us that gives us the chance to experience life the way he wants it. The other thing that amazes me is how little you and I want to do to see our lives become better. We look at the book of Acts, and we see where Luke is designing for us ways to really benefit from God's plan. He talks about uh, the, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Um, they, were, they were tasked with the amazing responsibility of proclaiming the truth of Christ to a world that was totally ignorant to it. They were living in a groove that they thought was the most comfortable, which is what I talked about. But I don't want you to look at their, their goal as to increase your guilt. I know one of the things we struggle with sometimes as believers is how much do I do and how much should I do, and does God like what I do or does he disapprove? And so we begin to fill our lives with all these doubts about, hey, didn't do this right, shouldn't have done this, should have done more of this. I'm telling you this morning that as we study the book of Acts, you need to understand that the power that God gives us through the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to experience life in a way that, that we don't need to look back on. 
It isn't going to be perfect. It isn't going to be absolutely, we don't, don't do anything wrong. It's the ability to say, he's given me the gift and the power and the future through the Holy Spirit to live my life in a way that allows me to experience what he has for me. And that's where we want to go this morning. But I think as Christians, a lot of times, we forget that. We want to just get by. I thought here, what's your level of sharing the good news to people? How important is this? Or do you even think of these terms? How much of your time do you give to others, including your family? Or do you even think it's your responsibility to give of your time to others? We drive down the streets of Oregon City and Portland and all through the area, and we see people that are holding up signs and say, uh, give, give me money or anything. And as I wrote in here, I'd love to roll down my window one day and say, hey, what's anything? You know, just to see what they'd say. But, but do you feel led by that? Is that something that motivates you to say, hey, I need... And, and again, I'm not trying to propone give you guilt so because you don't do it, but you begin to see that in our lives, as we realize that God's given us the means to share the good news, we got to use it. I took a group of high schoolers to the streets of Seattle for about nine years, nine or ten years when I was a youth pastor over there. Let's see, what did Aaron say? I was 21 years a youth pastor, yeah. And in those, those times, we, went to the, we took about 15 to 20 of our leaders out of our youth group. And these were, were guys and gals, teens, who really were comfortable to share their, their testimony, who were comfortable to reach out to people. And as I said to the first service, it scared me more to take that group of 15 to 20 with staff to the inner city of Seattle than it ever did when I took 140 people to the Rancho Santa Marta in Mexico. I felt much safer going down the road to Mexico, and we were in our own little area. We worked at the ranch, at the, the, the farm or the ranch there. When we went to the streets of Seattle, it, it was, it was nerve-wracking. Because we were meeting people every day who were struggling. And so my whole goal became, I'm going to get this group of teens up there, and we're going to do a little bit of work, and we're going to quickly get back in the bus or the van, and we're going to get back home, and we're going to be safe. And I thought that was good. It was kind of like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. And what happened was the teens began to, to, to teach me that as we went up there, they cared for these people. And they would minister to these people, and they would pray for them, and they would pray with them. And they would say, I mean, a couple years they... I tried to tell them, and you know, I'm, I'm revealing some bad habits I had, but I said, don't give them your phone numbers. I don't want these street people calling you in Oregon City, because what are you going to do? They gave them their numbers, and we'd get calls from people, and people stopped by, and they came through, and they hey, we remember your group. They cared for these people because they realized that, hey, the Lord was going to give them the ability to do that. So the leader, that was me, was more worried about keeping them safe than really saying, Lord, what is it you wanted to do in us and through us? One more thought this morning. I believe that, that as we live for the Lord, we have to make a decision all the time as to how much we're going to give to him in the sense of, what am I going to do for you? I spent some time over the sabbatical in a couple of different medical institutions, not for myself, but one for a, a family member who's very sick and another one who was sick at the time. And I, I, I got in discussions with the, I talked to this one nurse one day a few weeks back, and, and uh, it was a fascinating study. She did a dissertation. Now, Trust me, I said this to the first service, you're going to hear me talk about marijuana and the Holy Spirit in the same sermon. But she did a study on the effects of people who smoked marijuana. This was her dissertation. And they, did, they took this test group and they told them, if you would not smoke for three months, we would, we'll guarantee you that your stomach problems that you're having will go away. This was the whole point of the dissertation. Okay, so she didn't know I was a pastor. I didn't tell her I was a pastor. I just wanted to hear this fascinating dissertation because I wanted to hear what was going on. Small group, 10% of the group absolutely said, we're smoking pot no matter what. You can't tell us what to do, that's us, forget it. So they, that was kind of the part of the group there. 30% of the group said, 
eh, you know, I'll give it a little bit of an effort. I'll see what's going on. And they just kind of fizzled out. Another 30% said, okay, here we go. And they started out doing well. Maybe the first month and a half, they did a little bit, but they didn't see real great results. And the third group, which was 30%, if those of you who are mathematicians, that is 100%, you, uh, they listened completely. And for three months, they did not smoke marijuana once. And 100% of that group of 30%, their stomach problems went away. Completely. I'm going to tell you why this is going to relate to the Holy Spirit in a minute. They, they made a larger test group. One of the things you do with statistics is you, you, you want to have it work. You don't want it just to just work once. You want it to keep going. It's like Christianity. It's not just going to work once. We know that. It, it's good for us all the time. The second group was a larger group. Exactly the same percentages. So you know the first one, 10% said, forget it, I'm smoking no matter what. 30%, I tried a little bit. And the next 30%, I gave it a little better. But the 30% that did not smoke for three months had 100% cure of their stomach problems. Okay, so here, here's my point of, of that test. That test shows us that if we make our efforts, there's going to be good results. Okay? But it also shows us if we don't make an effort, we're going to get the same results that we had, still have the stomach problems. When, Paul, when Luke tells us about the Holy Spirit in Acts, he tells us that if we take the gift, and we're going to get there in just a minute in our first point, if we take the gift that God's given us of the Holy Spirit, 100% of the time we're going to receive the power that comes along with the Holy Spirit. And yet we, like the test group, go, you know, I'll give it a little bit of an effort, or I'll try a little bit. Well, I had a good day today, oh, I had a bad three days. And we just begin to we get in this pattern. He's telling us today, as we look at Acts, if we want to experience life the way he wants us to, we've got to commit 100%. And so that excites me about doing the study of Luke, because we're, I mean, the study of Acts. We're going we're gonna to go this summer, we're going to see how there's the, the ability of the power of the Holy Spirit to do amazing things in our life, the, the ability and the power of the Holy Spirit to do things in our lives we thought never were possible. And there's also times when the power of the Holy Spirit is actually going to turn out to be kind of difficult, because it, helps, it has us face things that we know are wrong, and then we have to allow His Spirit to guide us through it. One of the things that I learned through my sabbatical and as I studied the book of Acts was to learn how to not be in such a hurry. Let me just tell you again how thrilled I am to have Brian and Kim come and their family come on our staff because we've we got some great things the Lord wants to do. And he brought this great family to us to, to utilize some things to help Aaron and Heidi and I uh, just kind of develop an even better plan because we got a community that we're reaching and we're going to continue to do that. But one of the things that, that I started is I read a book by a guy named Kerry Newhoff. And Kerry Newhoff is kind of the guru of blogs today. Everybody reads Kerry Newhoff. Well, I'm 62 years old. Why am I going to read it? You know, you get it. I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I'm going, I, I want to learn. So I've been, I love this guy. I've been reading him. I've been listening to some of his blogs. I've heard him speak. He's the real deal. He has a church in Toronto. But the book that I picked up from him was called I Didn't See It Coming. And it was about how his life at a very young age led him to a nervous breakdown, major nervous breakdown. And for this guy to share it in words was pretty humbling. It was very, very, it was very interesting. I would recommend the book to you. He talked a lot about patterns and things you see in your life and how it shows up. But one of the things that, he, that spoke to me out of this book was about not being in a hurry. Two quotes you'll see on the, the board behind you. The first one is by Dallas Willard, who's a phenomenal theologian of our, our era. He died last year. He said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And then Newhoff said, what would it take for you to slow down to hear the sound of your own breath as you pray and reflect to rest in the quiet that has eluded you for so long? I'm telling you this morning that if we're going to understand what God has for us in the book of Acts, 
we got to learn to slow down and, and hear ourselves and present opportunities because we are going to look at the Holy Spirit and we're just going to bypass that ability. We're not going to really understand what it means. I know there are people in our congregation that understand it a lot better than the rest of us. So hopefully we're going to lean on them and learn from them what it means to utilize the power of the Holy Spirit. What are we doing to understand our culture? That's another thing as I look at the book of Acts and I see how they begin to reach their culture. One of the things I found interesting in one of the books I read was he said we're frozen in a decade. Whatever decade we choose to be frozen in, and for me as I get older, I see it, my opinions come from a certain decade. And those opinions, nobody's going to tell me that I'm wrong. And as I listen to people give me their philosophies on life, I'm thinking, oh, but if you only knew, you know, I grew up in the perfect decade. And yet I didn't. And so this person said, if we're going to relate to our culture and we're going to understand what it means to share the good news of the gospel, we've got to listen to people. And, and it isn't that we have to go, wow, what you're saying is absolutely right. I'm changing my life. What we want to do is listen to them and say, that is a great thought. Let me think about it a little bit. Here, here's what I've got. And we begin to maybe develop a philosophy that relates to our culture. When I retire... I'm not retiring anytime soon. I will, you know, maybe in four or five years. The church is going to be led by a group of guys and, and gals a lot younger than me. Am I going to go, hey, we did it right and you're dead wrong? No, they're going to lead the church. Our goal is to go, hey, we're, we're with you, and we're going to just keep right on moving and share the good news of the gospel. And Acts and the apostles had to do that. And they begin to share that through the book of Acts, and they begin to develop kind of a plan. And what's funny is a lot of the plans developed we use today. When we get into the book of Acts, there's some fun passages. Remember the one where he said, and thousands were added to their number daily, and how they gave all of their belongings. It's incredible to see the power of God at work, and yet you and I can sit here in a very comfortable chair in Nehemiah Center and go, yeah, good thought, John, and then walk right out the door and do anything but realize what he's trying to say to us. The Acts of the Apostles records for us ways to share the good news of the gospel regularly. First part of the verse or the chapter you'll see on the screen behind me. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The first point of my outline in the back of your bullets this morning is God's promised gift. It's a gift, and, and 4 and 5 tell us that. You get the gift that my Father's promised, uh, and it's this baptism of the Holy Spirit He promises us. And what that gives us there, and you see it again in the outline, is His presence always. Again, as you and I are living our lives, we can lose track of the fact of the promises that he gives us. Luke does a tremendous job starting out the book of Acts telling us his presence is going to be with us always. Some of you today need that promise. You need to claim that promise. You are in a position in your life where you feel alone. You feel like his presence may not be evident, and you're struggling to make a difference. And he's telling you as he starts, here's the first gift for you, his presence always. How often do we live our lives like we have the blessing and the promise of, of his eternal kingdom. And as we, we go, I'm going to challenge you, I'm challenging myself. What comes out of our mouths as we talk to people? Is it the promise and the hope and the gift that he's given us and we, want to, we can't wait to share it with you? Hey, you, you can't believe what God showed me today or you can't believe what he's doing in my life. Or are we going, oh, I got my taxes to pay or I got this to do and I got a pain here. And you begin to, he wants us to live a life that brings that hope gift. He gives us a gift. I shared with the first 
service that I have a family member who cannot leave a present given to us, a gift given to us unopened. Has to open it every time, has to see what's in there, and then rewraps it. I know this because I've experienced that for 38 years. I'm not mentioning any names, but uh, it was, it's incredible. And she has to see the gift. It's just her way. She wants to see what's in there. It's so fun. Now, I'm saying this this morning, and my mom, who's 91, listens to my sermons on, on, on our website. She's going to be bummed because she doesn't know that my wife opens all of our presents. And every time, she, and what's great for me, for 38 years, I, haven't had, I don't have to wrap a present. I know, she knows what I'm going to give her, so I just kind of say, hey, dear, here it is. And I put it in a sack and sit it on the tree. But it's just kind of, it's this whole thing about, hey, I'm getting a gift. I can't wait to see what's in the gift. I want to open that gift. And as I open that gift, I'm excited to receive that gift. That's the gift this morning that God promises us of the Holy Spirit. And we have the ability to open it, unwrap it, and begin to experience exactly what he's going to I can't make it any simpler than that because I think sometimes we make it so complex that we forget that it's just literally there for us to use. The gift that God has promised is for all of us who believe. So I wrote receive it. Number two, God's promised power. So if you're filling in your blanks, write the word power in there. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. His strength always. First we had his presence always, now we have his strength always and we need to claim it. He said we can go to Jerusalem, which is, the or- is Oregon City, Judea and Samaria, which is Oregon and maybe Washington or California, and to the ends of the earth. That's the power that he gives us. Some of us this morning are so, and I say this carefully, it's not a guilt thing, it's just a, a, a reality check. We are so focused in on some things that we're doing that we don't, we don't understand that God wants us to give. I listened to a speaker, I went to a, several churches while I was on, on sabbatical, and one of them, the service was two hours. Just standing in front of you as your pastor, I'm a wiggle worm, two hours is a little tough on me for a service. I get the movements and the, you know, well, there's a little kid's song, shake your wiggles out, that was me, man, I was dying. Minute, the preacher was an hour and three minutes, and he was, he's brilliant. He's a professor, he's a philosopher, and he had so much stuff to impress us with to, to get us in our minds that about 25 minutes into it, I was gone. Because my, my theory is your mind can only conceive what your rear end can endure. <laughs> and I was gone, okay? So I'm struggling to stay with him. But the cool thing is it was a two-hour service. At the end of the service, um, they gave a call for prayer that if I'd have missed it, I'd have been bummed because the other people were really worshiping the Lord. And at the end of the service, 75 people, 60 to 75 people went forward for prayer, for healing, for victory, for, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, people, don't you want to go eat? Don't you want to go with your, and it's like the Lord just kept saying, hey, look at these people responding. Over two hours we were there and they were seeking the Lord. That's the promise and the gift that he gives us, not that we're ever going to go two hours. I have people here that tell me, hey, you need to preach longer. I said, well, you need to get better sleep because I'll give it to you if I preach longer. You've got to realize that what, that didn't come out right, but you'll have to figure that one out. <laughs> You've got to realize that, that what God's telling us to do is to literally receive what he's given us. We don't even care. We don't, we don't even, we, we've got our lifestyle going. We've got all the things. Okay, here's the point. I almost forgot it. He mentioned this author that wrote a, a book, and, and he said in our lives, there's two periods of time in our lives, from age zero to 35 and from 35 and beyond. And from age 0 to 35, we concentrate. Now, think about this. Some of you are in that category, and some of you can't remember that category. But all we want is what we can get for ourselves. 
those first 35 years or so, we're just saying, hey, what, what's in it for me? I want this. I want to acquire this. I'm going to do this. I want to buy this. I want. And then after 35 or so, we realize, what is it that we can give to people? And part of it is we now have kids. We have families. And we start going, hey, I need to give them that, and I need to give them that. And, and how can I help here? And, and I see you struggling with something that I struggle with. And so it's a completely different way of life. Some of you, I know you've, you've real, you, you break the mold because you're givers all the way. And it's not bad to be either. It's just that what he said was, as we focus in our lives on what we could take in for ourselves, we miss the whole opportunity to give to other people. When we get the gift of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, he helps us realize what it means to give to other people. And for some of us, that's easy. And for some of us, that is tough because we've got our own issues. You don't understand, John. I'm struggling through all this stuff. How can I give anything to anybody else? First service, somebody came to me and said, you know, I totally relate what you're saying to it. And they liked that one point. That's the point they got out of my message. They said, because we're living right now with some members of our family, then all they want is everything we can give them. Hey, what can you give me today? Or what can I have this? And, and they go, it just drives us nuts. So when we ask the Holy Spirit, we get that power. He begins to give us the opportunities and the strength to share with him. I love starting my day by just saying, hey, Lord, I'm open to whatever you have for me. And so he and I kind of go through journeys, and it's a lot of fun. Point three. God's promised future. There's the gift, there's the power, and there's the promised future. The good news of the gospel, Acts 1.11, you see 10 and 11 behind you. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. God sent two angels to drive home several points, one of which is to remind us of the future. The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Imagine the scene when they saw Jesus swept into heaven without passing away. Imagine this. There's only two other people in the Bible that we know of that were taken into heaven, Enoch and Elisha, Elijah. Those were people that didn't die, and people saw them being swept right into heaven. And yet, you know, it's this whole thing. It's like, wow, what's going on? One of the other things that I, I want to tell you about is the importance to me for relationships. Because here was a group of leaders, and, and you're going to see in a minute, they, they just stood there staring in the sky. They were doing nothing. They were doing nothing. Jesus had been taken into heaven, and suddenly these angels say, hey, what are you standing here for? Let's, let's get going. And maybe this study this summer in the book of Acts will be the one where we hear people saying to us, hey, let's get going. Why are we standing here looking around going, God, what are you going to do for me when he's provided the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the promised future through the Holy Spirit as we begin to live our lives for him? And yet we are just content to do nothing. Hope helps us go through life. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Here's my closing thought. Quit looking in the sky. Quit being content to just kind of do very little and yet step forward. I, I cannot wait. One of the things I'm going to do as we get time, I want to hear what happened in your lives in the last two months. I know God did some great things. I can't wait to hear it. It's your stories that I live for. And as you begin to realize that, he's beginning to move us farther and farther along in our walk with him because we're, we're realizing, hey, these are things that he wants us to do. We do not need to sit here standing, gazing in the sky, doing nothing. The gift of the Holy Spirit the power of the Holy Spirit, and the promise of the future through the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful today for uh, who you are in our lives and your strength and your love. But, but God, one of the things we know is that you've got this plan set before us. And, 
Hey, there's some of us here in the room this morning, we're, we're struggling to find out the meaning of that plan and the direction of that plan. There are some of us here that are they're going, man, we just had a huge roadblock. We're not sure where to go. But as we look at your word and the truth of your word today, we realize that, hey, you have a plan. You've given us the Holy Spirit. You've given us the power the Holy Spirit can have in our lives. And then you've given us the chance to have hope for the future as we live for you. Thanks, Lord. Bless us now as we close with this song and just allow us to draw closer to you and be great this week as we see you at work. In your name we pray. Amen.